0: you're able to remain standing, please do so. Take your copies of God's Word and turn with me this evening to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, we'll begin our reading this evening at verse 13 and read through verse 25, I hear now the word of God, it is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us, so let us pay close attention. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes, so the Pharisees asked him how he had received his sight he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son, that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask Him. He is of age. He will speak for Himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, His parents said, He is of age. Age, Ask Him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to Him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Last week, we saw the miracle that is being spoken of in our text. Tonight, we saw a man last Sunday evening that had been blind from birth and Jesus and his disciples passed by this man and we saw the state in which that man was born. He was blind physically. We saw last Sunday night how all men as well are born blind spiritually. We also saw the reason why Christ came into the world, again, to be the light of the world the messiah and one of the, the miracles prophesied in the old testament concerning the messiah would be the restoration of the sight of sight to the blind. And then we saw the blind man receiving his sight in a very strange way last Sunday evening. And now we see the outcome. We see what happened immediately following this great miracle that Jesus performed. Uh, Again, He performed His miracles. Why? To display His power over creation, but also to declare His deity. And the miracle of this man being healed of his blindness, we also saw that spiritual reality that men are born blind spiritually into this world. And so we see the results of this miracle tonight. We'll this miracle be accepted by the religious authorities of Israel? Will they finally see that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed of the Lord? Will Jesus be received as the promised Messiah? Now we know the answer because we've already heard it. The answer is no. This miracle does not convince the religious leaders that Jesus is the Christ, even though, as we see tonight, there were a few that were thinking that maybe He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed God. And so there are three things we see tonight, and it begins with division. And we see that division among the Pharisees, and and that division comes as the the healed man is brought to the Pharisees in verses 13 and 14. Now it seems that those who brought this man to the Pharisees were probably his neighbors. There had been a great miracle, and so they thought such a miracle demanded an investigation. And so they bring him to The Pharisees. The Pharisees here probably mean more than just the Pharisees, but it means the the Sanhedrin, the great council of the Jewish nation. That same body before whom our Lord made His defense back in John chapter 5. Now as this man is brought to the Pharisees, we see when the miracle was performed in verse 14. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened His eyes. Now why does John mention this? Well, for two reasons. First, to prove our Lord's readiness to do works of mercy on the Sabbath day. Oftentimes we think of the Sabbath and we are in the, or we are in the midst of the Christian Sabbath here this evening. We think of it in terms of what we can't do. We can't do this, we can't do that. but what can we do? Well, Jesus reminds us tonight, we, we should be doing works of, of, of mercy. We should be performing works of mercy to those who are in need of mercy. He gives us that example as he healed this man on the Sabbath day. But the second reason John mentions this is that it explains the enmity of the Jews against the Lord. Why? Because they regarded him as a breaker of the Sabbath. Now we know that our Lord performed miracles on the Sabbath. Why did he do that? Well, to instruct the Jews in, in, in the true doctrines and the proper duties of the Sabbath day. And to, and to let them know that works of necessity and mercy are very consistent With the sanctification of the Sabbath. Here was a work of mercy. Now Jesus, if He had wanted to, could have waited to the next day to heal this man. But He chose not to. It was a a proper day. The Sabbath is a proper day to do mercy. To work mercy to those who are in need of mercy. To give charity where charity uh, where, where it is needed. As one commentator states, whereas it is the best of graces, so it works It, it works our, our fittest for the best of days. And so Jesus chose the best of days to heal this man. A day of mercy, a day where he would receive that mercy. And so this divided the Pharisees. In verse 15, they ask the man, how did you receive your sight? And he gives them a play-by-play. He put mud on my eyes and he told me to go wash. I went and washed and and I see. This man is straightforward. He's bold in his declaration of the miracle performed on him so that he received his sight. And this divided the Pharisees. Notice verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Now this would have been the vast majority of that council. They viewed Jesus as a Sabbath breaker. Therefore, He could not be the Messiah. He could not be Lord. He could not be Savior. He could not be the Messiah promised in the Old Testament. But then there was a minority who disagreed, and and they were beginning to to think uh, that Jesus perhaps is that Messiah. How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? Truly, there must be more to this Jesus than we are seeing, because if he was a sinner, he couldn't do these things. Now, some of them may have been Nicodemus, we already have heard. Of Nicodemus later, Joseph of Arimathea. Uh, maybe he is part of that division. But there was a small minority that were that was thinking perhaps this man named Jesus is someone more. And so they asked, "What do you say about him?" Now they do so for a reason. We see that reason in the following verses. That. To try to get him to, to acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ so that they can put him out. But he does acknowledge one thing. He simply says he is a prophet. Now this was the beginning of faith in this man. When he encountered Jesus, he did not know who he was. He was told to do something very strange and the Lord Gave him the the grace he needed, the faith he needed to go and do that. And as he did it, instructed by Christ, he he now sees and he's healed. And he says, this man is a prophet, a declaration of his own belief that the person who had had performed this miracle must be a person specially raised up by God to do mighty works such as Elijah or Elisha. And so there is, first of all, division. But then, second of all, we see obstinacy of the Pharisees. They are obstinate. They are are stubborn in their unbelief. Verse 18, we read, The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight. Until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now See, we understand or we mark here the extraordinary unbelief of the Jewish people, their obstinate determination to shut their eyes against the light. Now, this tells us something that tells us that there is folly of supposing that mere evidence alone will ever make men Christians. They had the best of evidence. Jesus is standing before them. He has just given sight to the blind. What other evidence do they need to declare Jesus as the Christ? And yet, they still will not declare Him the Christ. As one commentator states, it is the want of will to believe and not the want of reasons for believing that makes men infidel. Evidence will never save anyone. And these men had evidence. But yet in their unbelief and their stubbornness, they will not accept that this man was born blind. And so they ask, is this your son? Was he born blind? How then does he now see? And so his parents answer them. and, And they give an answer. Yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. How he now sees, we don't know. We do not know who opened his eyes. He is of age, ask him. Now they're not passing the buck to their son, but they do this for a reason. They, they answer in this way for a reason. In verse 22, he, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, that he was to be put out of the synagogue. Now, in our day and age, someone being put out of the church isn't that big of a deal for some people. Church discipline isn't that big of a deal for many churches. A person gets mad at one church, they simply leave and go to another one that makes them happy. It was quite different at this time and this day that we have before us tonight in our text because to be put out of the synagogue was pretty much meant you were put out of the community, not just the faith, but the community itself. And we miss that in the church today, don't we? We don't have that sense of of community as we should. We're too busy. We've got too much stuff going on. But to be put out of the synagogue at that moment was serious business. And so fear of the leading Jews and the council of Pharisees made his parents refer their inquirers or their Those who are performing the inquisition to their son. To be put out of the synagogue was heavy punishment. It meant banishment from the community. It meant that their life would never be the same. It was the equivalent of being cut off from all communion with other Jews. And we know it today as excommunication, but some people don't care about excommunication. Now, in understanding this, we need to understand that the the Sanhedrin at this time, they had not formally declared Jesus to be an imposter or a false Christ. But they did declare that anyone who said that he was the Christ, that they were to be put out. That they were no longer welcomed in the synagogue, that they were to be excommunicated, uh, and, and that was a great punishment. And the parents again said, he is of age. Ask him. And so we see the obstinacy of the Jews and the Pharisees. And then third, we, we have the testimony of, of this man. Again, he's already stated that Jesus is a prophet, but, but he also gives another testimony. Verse 24, they call him a second time. And they say to him this time, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. They say to this man, you need to glorify God. We know that the one who healed you by the name of Jesus, he could not be anything but a sinner because he is a Sabbath breaker. A sinner like him would never heal you. Again, they are still stubborn in their unbelief, not willing to see what Jesus has done, not willing to declare... That Jesus is the Christ. So the man answers and he says, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I do though, that though I was blind, now I see. Now his answer is very simple, straightforward, but yet striking. He doesn't know if Jesus is a sinner. He knows nothing about Jesus, but he knows this, that he is now a man who sees for the first time in his life. Now, how do you know that? His senses told him he was cured, mainly the sense of sight. He he had never seen before, and Jesus tells him, go and wash, and you will see. And he went in faith, and he washed, and now he sees. He was blind, but now he has sight. Now, Lord, really next week we will see the conclusion of this matter and the rest of John chapter 9. But what application can we make tonight? The first is this. We again see that Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the good news of Jesus brings division among men. Now, why is that? Well, when people are stubborn in their unbelief, the good news, even the good news of the gospel is divisive. Today, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, there will be division. Part of that division is a division that God makes between unbelievers and believers. But there will always be a division between those who believe and those who do not after hearing the message of Christ. We see this and Jesus tells us elsewhere that there will be division among families. Are there some family members that you are divided from tonight because you are a Christian and they are not? We all have them. Sometimes it may be our own children our parents. Jesus tells us the, the message of the gospel divides families. It divides churches. There are some churches where the gospel is proclaimed and there is a division. They don't want to hear it. Uh, I preached at such a church for a very short time where I was told, I don't like being told how bad I am. But if you don't know how bad you are, you won't need, understand your need of Christ. And if you're in Christ and you're not bad because of His righteousness, it shouldn't bother you. But The gospel divides churches and and there is division. Why? Because of the obstinacy or, or stubbornness of the unbeliever. When Jesus comes in glory, there will be those who deny His coming, even though they see it because they can do nothing else. They will say, that's not Jesus. Even though we will see the glory of the Son of God and they will know and they will fall down in their stubbornness, they might dare say, well, that can't be Him. He looks nothing like the pictures I saw. So second of all, obstinacy or stubbornness to the message of Christ, it is a sign of unbelief. The natural man is stubborn and in his view that that Jesus cannot be Lord or Savior or or the Messiah. The unbelieving man will remain in his obstinacy until when? Until God does a work in his heart. Just as we saw last week, this man could not restore his physical sight, but Jesus did. And God is the one who gives spiritual sight to those whom He chose and loves. And so... The unbelieving man will remain where he rightfully remains, and that is in his sin and in his obstinacy and stubbornness until God comes and and changes him. Is that work of God in the heart of a sinner. So that his spiritual eyes are open, his heart is changed. But to remain obstinate, to remain stubborn against the claims of Christ and the works of Christ, that is a sign of unbelief. Now it goes beyond just the works of Christ. It goes to the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. He's the Logos of God. And so those churches and those denominations that that no longer hold once held to the Word of God, but no longer hold to it, they, they are in danger. Their lampstand is being removed by Jesus in the act of judgment, and they don't realize the danger they are in. Some have, and they fled, but there are still others who remain. We have the whole word of God, the whole counsel of God, and we, we are to believe it. Everything that God gives to us, everything that He teaches us in our Word, in His Word, we are to believe and hold to and trust because God is trustworthy. Third, we, we have here tonight in this man's testimony an illustration of, of a true Christian's experience of the work of grace in his heart. It's like with this man. There was much that was mysterious and unexplainable to him as far as how he got his sight. He just knew what he was told to do. He went and did it. Who told him to do it? It was Jesus. And as he went and did it, he came back and he saw. And the same with the work of grace. The result of the Holy Spirit's work is that a a believer knows what God has done for him in giving him grace. A a true believer now sees what he did not see before. Remember when God opened your eyes and you saw things in a different light. You you viewed things through a a different prism. It was a prism of Scripture now. You started reading the Word of God and, 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 and devouring the Word of God and, and things became clear. Oh, that's what God meant when He said that. And for the first time you could see these things spiritually before you were blind, but now you could see. A true believer feels what he did not feel before. Remember when God saved you in that, that bondage that you were under. That burden that was upon your shoulders was lifted off. As you came to Christ, as you confessed your sins, as you believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior. The burden of the guilt of your sin, the burden of the sin itself was lifted from you. And, and, and you, you felt it and you knew it. A true believer knows of that work of God's grace in his heart to bring him to Christ. Again, this man couldn't explain it, but he knew what happened. He couldn't explain how he got his sight, but he knew what he had done. He knew what he was told. He went and did it and and he received his sight the same way with God's work of grace in us. We cannot explain it, but we know what's happened and that's why we go and tell others that they are in need of Christ. And so finally, are you a true believer this evening? Have you come to Christ in faith? Do you see him as he is presented to us tonight, as Lord and Messiah, as Savior? Again, he's the only. Mediator between God and man. He is the only one that can save sinners. There is no other Lord or Savior than Jesus. Now you have heard this many times from this pulpit. And if you do not have faith tonight, it means that you are still stubborn. Now we all can be stubborn. I can be stubborn on things. We all can be stubborn. But you are stubborn in your unbelief. Because you have heard the truth and yet you are unwilling to come to Christ in faith and repentance. You are much like the Pharisees and the Jews of our text. They, They saw this sign. They knew it was done, but yet they would not give glory to God. They would not give glory to Christ because Jesus could not be the Messiah because He didn't keep the Sabbath. They were stubborn. Now, by the grace of God, some of the same men who said this in our text will would one day come to faith in Christ, and again, there is already those in this group that are starting to see things and, and God is opening things up to them. but it will take some time, but god's timing is always perfect and so if God is revealing to you tonight your your stubbornness, your unbelief then As He reveals that to you, it's my prayer that He will then begin changing your heart. Lifting the scales off of your eyes, unstopping your ears so that you can hear these things for the first time. And and as He gives you a new heart, understand, oh, I need Jesus. I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. I must come to the only one who can. And that is Christ. And so do that tonight. Come to Christ in faith. Come repenting of your sins. And for the rest of us, we understand what this man said. And the one thing we do know is this, that though we were blind, now we see. And that not because of anything we did, solely because of the grace and mercy of God. To us. May God add his blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of his word. Let us pray. Oh Lord God, we thank you tonight for your word. And we hear the testimony of that man that was born blind, but then had sight. And that is our testimony. Though we were blind, now we see. Oh God, we thank You for that work You've done in us, that You've given us that spiritual sight and You give us spiritual hearing and, we, and brought us to Jesus. And Lord, I pray for any who may be here tonight, young or old, that, that You would do a work in them if they are without Christ tonight. That You would reveal to them the danger that they are in and how they are in need of, of Jesus as their Savior that you would bring them to Christ. Begin changing their hearts even now. Calling them, drawing them to your Son. And, and in a simple way, may they cry out unto the Lord Jesus for salvation. And be saved. And oh God, may we always be reminded and be thankful of what you have given to us. That grace that we never deserve, but yet you are gracious to us. And we thank you for that salvation that you have given to us solely through Jesus. And we pray all of these things in his name. Amen.